Hello, welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and I'd like to say thank you so much for stopping by. If this is your first time tuning in, I would love to hear from you. I'd like to know what you think of the show, and there's a few ways you can do that. So first and foremost, you can go on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Music and leave me a rating. On Apple Podcasts, I believe you can leave me a review, so please tell me what it is that you like about the show. If you would like to, you can go on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook in order to find me at In Defense of Liberation and reach out to me there to let me know what criticisms you might have, what kind of critiques, maybe some questions and concerns, and uh, if you would like to uh, expand on those ideas further or maybe let me know of some guests you'd like to hear on the show or some people whose shows you'd like me to be a guest on. Uh, please go ahead and email me, if so, by reaching out to indefenseofliberation at gmail.com. Anyways, folks, thank you so much for stopping by. If this is you coming back, welcome back. I love to know that I am putting out anything that's worth listening to, so I'm glad to, uh, you know. Anyways, I, uh, I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe. I hope everyone is staying healthy during these awful, awful times. Again, feel free to reach out to me for whatever. Um, If you're going through, you know, a rough spot and you just need someone to vent to, I'm always here. If you need someone to ask some advice, I'm no expert in any of the stuff that I'm talking about. But I can send you resources that I have. I can send you whatever ideas I have. And I can send you to organizations and other organizers who might have better ideas than I have. So please feel free to reach out for anything. Uh, These times are tough and we can't be going through it alone. And that really is the central focus to this conversation we're going to be having today. The idea that we cannot do this alone. So for myself, I am semi-isolated. Where I live, there isn't a whole lot of organizing in general going on, let alone, uh, you know, socialist, leftist, popular organizing, um, there really seems to be a lull uh, in the area where I stay, at least from my own observations. However, there is a lot of these surrounding areas which are actively, you know, engaged in some form of struggles in one city there is a huge movement for housing rights and for tenant unionizing in another area there's a huge uh immigrant population that is completely exploited and left to suffer that needs support of all kinds in another city there are indigenous people who have continuously seen their land uh taken away from them they recently saw their health care and their uh i guess you might call it uh, scholarship that most of the young students are given in order to assist with, uh, college, uh, funding. They saw both of these recently taken away. So it's not as if there isn't anything going on. However, because I do not belong to an organization at this moment, 
in a lot of cases, trying to get involved, trying to join an organization, it's, it can be, it can prove to be difficult. You know, we talk about on the show how important it is that we all join organizations. I'm talking peace organizations. I'm talking community organizations. I'm talking political organizations. I'm talking social justice organizations. There's all kinds of advocate advocacy organizations that you can join for folks like Mumia Abu Jamal, Leonard Peltier, and plenty of others who genuinely need the support. But in a lot of cases, the majority of us see our time, energy, and motivation stolen. Especially those of us who have to work full-time jobs or maybe have difficult home or family situations. But something that I would like to stress and something that we really need to begin analyzing is whether or not we think that this is going to go away. Because look it, I get it, right? Just about every single human being walking on this earth is walking with a shitload of trauma. They're dealing with a bunch of struggles and they probably have absolutely no resources, no motivation and no know-how Uh, really on how to go about resolving those issues. Now, is it a more intelligent strategy that we each try to take on our own individual issues alone? For example, I'm dealing with a landlord who thinks that, you know, it's just unimportant that my shower and toilet clog like once a week, that the heating in the apartment was out for three days that I fell on the stairs because they're all busted and the railing isn't connected to the stairs and he still hasn't fixed that since I fell and the water was leaking out of a light socket in our back, you know, hallway and he had to tear the ceiling tiles out but he's never repaired any of it or cleaned up the dust and the shit from the, you know, we basically have like those school ceiling tiles that you have, you know what I mean? Like the white cheap stuff. But anyways... Would it be more intelligent that I just keep hounding him and giving him a hard time? Or would it be more practical that I join a tenant union and I ask them to come assist me and I put some pressure on him, I call codes on him, and then I make him sign, you know, some kind of agreement with me that this shit isn't going to keep happening or he, you know, is going to have to pay for all the stuff that's going down because he's trying to blame me for all of it. So this is the situation we all find ourselves in. Is it going to be easier to handle your struggles alone? Or is it going to be easier to handle them in a collective setting in organizations and groups whose, you know, main political leaning (coughs) and interests lie in resolving these problems, not allowing them to continue, not profiting off of them, not taking advantage of you? I feel personally that we have to find a way to surmount these difficulties, myself included, to organizing. For example, I really don't have a whole lot of free time, but I have more free time than a person that has to work two full-time jobs or a full-time job and a part-time job and has kids. So in that instance, I have more free time than I'm willing to give myself credit for. And so I need to start using it in a more proper fashion. 
Now, I'm not trying to come at anyone on here and pretend like I'm doing shit that y'all aren't and say that we need to get moving. Because, like, I'm trying to point out, I really have a lot to improve on myself. But this is one of the most important points about being, you know, uh, a communist is we are not meant to be living life the same as any anyone else. Uh, when Mao says, you know, it's liberalism to be a communist among the people and not act like a communist, what he's saying there is we're not taking advantage of the contradictions that just plainly exist in society. Anyone you talk to on a day-to-day basis, again, is probably dealing with some kind of trauma and some kind of struggle, albeit not always necessarily something that you can speak to. There are things that are universal. You know, if you rent, you probably deal with a shitty landlord and expensive rent. That's a conversation starter. And that's a huge stressor, I can say, that leads to other problems in life becoming that much more difficult to handle. So that advocacy, that solidarity, that needs to be developed tenfold, a hundredfold, faster, better, quicker than it is right now. And that is not to say that there aren't organizations like the Black Alliance for Peace, like Friends of Socialist China, like the Party for Socialism and Liberation, the Claudia Jones School for Political Education, um, the Friends of ATC. There's all kinds of national and international organizations that are trying to do just that. But in a lot of cases, similarly to me and similarly to probably you folks, they're isolated. They're not connected with one another. Or in the instances where they are connected with one another, those groups are then isolated from everyone else. I mean, just think about the way in which just simply not having an antagonistic opinion against China, against Russia, aka the Soviet Union, against Vietnam, against Cuba. Look at what camp that puts you in. Immediately, you have a good thing to say about a socialist country or about a national liberation struggle, and you're immediately deemed in, you know, 60 years ago, a Bolshevik spy. And today, you're just considered a tanky or a conspiracy theorist or, you know, you don't know the facts, you're getting taken advantage of, they're lying to you, like when China released its data on the pandemic and made it shown that in fact in mainland China only two people had died from COVID uh, in 2021 what's the first thing people say oh they're lying why is it for you listen to this listen to this think about it think about it why is it for people or for you if you think this way about China that your first instinct is that they're lying I think there's two reasons. One, because your government, the United States government, lies to you every day. Second, because you're racist. Because you are racist against anything that is not white Anglo-Saxon American. Because you are unconsciously racist against anything that is not United States of American made. And really, you know, you might be able to sit here and say, well, Josh, you know, I'm really not racist. I just think that the Chinese, you know, government, they're lying to us. They're calling themselves socialist. And yet look at what they're doing with the market. Look at all. Listen, 
I couldn't give two shits about what the Chinese government call themselves. Socialist, communist, capitalist. I don't care. You know what I care about? I care about what reality the people of China are living in today. And you know what reality that is? One that is a million times better than a majority of the people are living here in the United States and in Western society in general. That is a reality that cannot be ignored and cannot be condemned as a lie. The anti-communist rhetoric that comes out of the left serves a role. And I really don't care what it is that you feel that, uh, you know, this or that country is doing that you don't agree with. Um, At this point, your only option, realistically, is to do something about it here. So instead of focusing on criticizing and condemning certain governments that you'll never even have any ability to speak to, maybe you talk to your neighbors about something that they actually fucking care about. You know what I mean? Like, I understand. I genuinely do. But there's a lot of things that certain governments do that call themselves socialist and have done over time that we might say, okay, that wasn't cool, dude. Um, But hey, realistically, what the fuck are we going to do about it? Because we don't really have any power to do anything about it. So until we have some power to do something about it, maybe let's try to build some power to do something about it. Just, just a thought. I mean, I'm no fucking saint by any means. I love jumping down people's throat for the misunderstanding they have about socialism. But at the same time, I mean, I keep trying to fucking check myself because it's like, what the fuck does this even do? You know, I argue with someone on social media about whether or not this, uh, analysis of some country that they put forward is correct or not. What the fuck do they care? They're probably not even going to read my fucking comment. One of my, I will say for me, this is why I know they probably don't read my comment. One of my favorite things to do is comment a fucking gif, which is funny. Like I care. Um, and like just not read someone's, it's usually against people who are defending like neoliberalism and like the U.S. But even still, like, I know that social media is a place where people go to find like-minded individuals, not to have open debate and to grow. And if you're on social media because you want to discuss with people and you want to grow yourself, hey, you're cool. But you're fucking probably not real also. (laughs) Because social media was made a certain way so as to designate each of us into our own little communities, which further develops the alienation and the isolation that is endemic to the capitalist system. Now, whether it was done like that intentionally or not, I couldn't say. So at the end of the day, it's not worth discussing. But what is worth discussing is the effects that it has had on the left within the West, which is a fanning of the flame of anti-communism, It is also a continued lack of militant organization. It is a dependence on mutual aid and temporary uh, small uh, decentralized organization. It is a lack of understanding of socialism, the dialectical process of base building and of developing a revolutionary struggle, and the importance of a revolutionary 
central organization of sorts, not necessarily a party or whatever you might think of when I say a central organization, but some form of solidarity and community and connection between all the different types of organizations and struggles that are happening all over the world to come together, to share their knowledge, to you know learn from one another, to be able to grow support for one another, to be able to find ways to help one another, all in a comradely, uh, you know, fight for solidarity and internationalism that doesn't allow us to be isolated, that fights against the alienation that comes naturally from trying to resist. Because when you resist the system, they condemn you. And when you're condemned, it's not always easy to find support especially when people can't even find your name on a Google search. So that's, you know, really, really important to remember also. And this is basically what I would like to really talk about and develop for a few minutes here while I can. This idea of really how something like that can exist. So I really think that There are incredible movements, organizations, struggles all over the world. I, you know, I can't imagine that we're discounting what's going on in Colombia, that we're ignoring what's been going on in India, that we can, you know, continue to pretend like the ongoing resistance by indigenous people all over the world. But even here on Turtle Island, against the uh, ever-growing sentiment that the capitalist system is allowed to destroy, manipulate, steal, and deplete all of the natural resources with no consequence whatsoever is continuing to be fought against. This idea is continuing to be resisted by indigenous people all across the world. In Brazil, in Peru, in Turtle Island, in Borinquen, in all kinds of places across the world where indigenous peoples have not been thwarted, have not been you know, snuffed out and completely genocided in all reality. That is, you know, it's an uncomfortable reality that it's hard to just say it. But it's true. The United States government has committed genocide and continues to commit genocide against indigenous people, against black folks, against immigrants and Latinos against all peoples across the world. And this is not a United States problem because the British genocided the Indians for decades. Forced starvations larger than any famine seen in the world on the Indian people. But this is rarely talked about. Vijay Prashad made this point very clearly the other day. So how do we get all of these people to come together 
to meet with one another and to try to learn how to basically each be able to engage in their struggle in a way that does not deplete, isolate, or go against the struggles of another group. This is probably one of the most difficult questions that just about every single um, revolution, national liberation struggle, uprising, even I'd say probably, you know, worker strikes has had to deal with is this question of how do we get all these different people to come together, to work together, and to struggle together? Because even if we're looking at a, you know, a, a job or a factory floor is what I originally wanted to say, but I try to steer away from factory analogies. It's too stereotypical of communists. But if you look at a factory floor today, let's take Bessemer, Alabama, the distribution center where the Amazon union effort was thwarted by Amazon. But recently, the National Labor Relations Board found the anti-union actions by Amazon to be illegal and so is therefore allowing the facility to uh, have a union vote once again. So if we look at, you know, this uh, distribution center in Bessemer, sorry, I'm doing too many things at once. If we look at this distribution center down there in Alabama, what we see is a huge percentage of black women who are leading the struggle. On top of that, we see a lot of immigrant and Latinos uh, and other, you know, Asian immigrants and, uh, his, you know, immigrants from all over the world in Eastern Europe even. But mostly we see a lot of black folks. We see a lot of uh, incredible struggles being led by some of the most exploited and oppressed people in that area. And so that is one, you know, important thing that we need to realize is right now, the most exploited, the most repressed people are the ones who are being forced to have to struggle for these things themselves. In a lot of cases, when, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement of 2020 and 2021, which really, I guess you could say is its origin all the way back in the death of uh, Michael Brown and Ferguson. But even then, you know, <laughs> to try to trace these things like that, how can you call that the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement without including the struggles that happened in the early 2000s and the 90s and the 80s? How can you disconnect these struggles? You can't. So in this way, we really have to find ways to connect these struggles. And I'm not just meeting in an analytical sense. I'm meaning actually and materially Get these groups of people together, get them talking, get them supporting one another, get them sending delegations to this or that country, get them sending, you know, 
militants to this or that struggle. Get them sending, you know, union reps to this or that building. Get them involved. Get them joining up with one another. Get them struggling together. How do we do this? Well, for me personally, as someone who doesn't have a whole lot of experience, I'm really only working with the ideas and kind of uh, strategies and tactics that I've read about or heard people talk about, you know. So one of the most important things I feel that we need to do is we really got to just start holding, like, I know it sounds corny, but we got to start holding, like, conferences. And by that, I don't mean, like, these big academic conferences, you know, especially with COVID and everything like that. But I just basically mean, like, mass meetings where we all get together and maybe we have an agenda, maybe we don't. We basically just pose the question, okay, what are y'all doing? What are we doing? How can we work together? That's like really where we have to start. We have to start just by talking to one another. We really don't talk to one another. How often do I see this or that organization involved in a struggle you know, two blocks down the road from this or that organization involved in a similar struggle. In the episode I did with uh, Bands of Turtle Island, he mentioned the fact that the Occupy uh, BIA um, movement that went down in D.C. a couple months ago from the uh, People versus Fossil Fuels campaign was completely ignored by the huge uh, white-led liberal demonstration happening at the Chamber of Commerce just a few blocks down the road. And yet you have, you know, indigenous elders, you have women and children and two spirits being attacked by police. Two blocks down from where megaphones could be heard, signs could be seen, But there was no assistance. Because they don't... The liberals didn't want to. At the very least, the liberals didn't want to. There's probably a bajillion other reasons why it went down like this. But at the bare minimum, the liberals didn't want to. Because if we wanted... Like, genuine, let's, let's, let's... Let's listen to this. If we genuinely wanted the struggle for climate justice to make its way through to a new stage that will really take us from asking to demanding and resisting, If we want something like that, then why is it that we continuously ignore the struggles being led in places like the Wet'suwet'en Territory in British Columbia? If you look at the struggles that are being led by indigenous people in Brazil, Bolivia, if you look at the struggles 
that are being led by indigenous women and children and two spirits here with the M-M-I-G-W-T-S campaign, the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Children, and Two-Spirit campaign. If we look at who is leading this and we listen to what they have to say and we go and show up and we support them and we monetarily help provide for people in ways that we can, if we bring food and firewood and blankets and warm clothing to people who are, you know, stuck on the res, or maybe not even stuck on the res, but maybe, you know, somebody next door to you, they can't pay their heat bill this month. The only way you're going to know that is if you talk to that person. The only way you're going to know that is if you build a relationship with people. We need relationships. I know some people might clown on this because whatever. But um, two books that I think everybody needs to read that I read uh, unintentionally almost like uh, hand in hand. And I thought they paired quite well. So I think that everybody should read, if possible, and I think both of these have audiobook versions. I think everybody should read Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher and uh, Comrade by Jody Dean. Then I want you to go read, because I can't, you know, let this moment pass without stressing that everybody read this book. It's very short. Everybody needs to read The Red Deal, Indigenous Action to Save Our Earth. Every single person who is listening to this right now needs to go on Red Media's website and buy Red Deal, Indigenous Action to Save Our Earth. If you cannot buy it, I have purchased it. I have a uh, ebook code. And I would be willing, uh, you know, if some folks want to help, I'd be willing to raise some funds so that I can buy some people some uh, physical copies. But we, that's difficult, and that involves other people's money, so it sketches me out. If you want to donate a copy, that would be another way. Maybe, maybe we can figure out a way to get talking with one another, those of us who listen to this show and who do the show. Anyways, um, so... If we look at organizations that have existed before, you have, like, the International Workers Association, which Karl Marx and Frederick Engels were founders of. You have the Second and Third International, the Trotskyist uh, attempt as well, the Fourth International, which never really took and is still being developed in some way. Uh, They're trying today. You have some pretty prominent examples. But then also if you look at organizations that exist right now, like Black Alliance for Peace, Friends of Socialist China, and other internationalist delegations like Viva Remos, or uh, excuse me, Venceremos Cuba, and uh, Friends of ATC, among many others who are, you know, setting up delegations to these socialist countries so that people can go and witness what 
it looks like and come back to the United States really a whole different person and also a defender of revolution within the empire. Shout out Danny Shaw, shout out Troika Collective, shout out all kinds of incredible, shout out Ramiro Sebastian Foynez, who have opened my eyes to these realities, to these necessities, to this importance of recognizing that we cannot have a U.S.-centric struggle. We cannot have a Britain-centric struggle or an Australia-centric struggle either. We have to have a purely internationalist struggle, but we have to start where we're at. So again, with relationships, with developing organizations, one of the most important things that we need to do is we need to look into our communities and we need to find the issues. We need to see the needs. We need to find the contradictions and we need to be able to explain these to people. We need to explain to people why it is they do not have food today. Not because they're lazy, not because they're poor, but because capitalism does not care enough to feed them. But because the government does not care enough about their well-being to make sure that everyone is fed. Unlike countries like Cuba, Vietnam, Nicaragua, Bolivia, Venezuela, Burkina Faso under Thomas Sankara, the USSR, China, and others who have in their constitutions that things like food, housing, jobs, education are human rights, not a privilege for some, not something that a few people get to enjoy, a meal a home, a shelter from the cold, a education, a well-paying job. These are things that we all need. So why is it only some of us get to have them? You answer that question, my friend, because you answering, you know. You know why it is people starve to death and freeze to death in the cold of night every single year, even though... It happens every single year, and therefore we would be able to come up with a solution for it because we know what's causing it because it happens every single year. The same could be said about sexual assault and police violence, but in fact, nothing is adamantly done about it by the people in power who have the ability or the stated ability to do so. We must know that our government has every ability to solve every problem that we are facing. And we must know that because they are the ones causing them. They are also the ones benefiting from our problems. If the money which is being made in the economy, if the money which is being made every single day at your job isn't going into your pocket, isn't going towards feeding yourself and your children and your family, tell me, my friends, where is it going? Tell me, what is it exactly that is happening to all the food in the grocery stores that doesn't get purchased week after week after week? What happens to the houses that stand vacant for years and years until some development company that's going to build a parking lot decides that they're going to come in and knock them down? And what happens to the people who sleep outside of those homes every single day? 
My friends, the time has come. There is no excuse. There is nothing to say that this system can be saved, that this country should be saved, and that the people who are suffering today have any reason to continue suffering in the way they have for time uh, immemorial. Immemorial. Oh, whatever. You know what the fuck I mean. Anyways, I'm fucking buttering up this bagel, and we're getting ready to start the day here at work, so I gotta go. Last thing I'm going to say is this, folks. Look it. If you're not, you need to join an organization. Any organization. You need to be joining peace organizations. You need to be joining anti-nuclear proliferation organizations. You need to be joining anti-war organizations. You need to be joining anti... uh, (laughs) Basically, anti-anti-socialist organizations. You need to be... um, Really trying to develop solidarity with your neighbors and with your community. And you have to really, really, really be developing international solidarity. There's all kinds of great comrades out there that make content like Luna Oi. You got folks like Finnish Bolshevik. You got um, Anti-Conquista. You got the Red Nation podcast. You got Kawasachin News. You got uh, Venezuela and an analysis you got all kinds of fantastic news sources podcasts youtube channels and others who are out there doing great great work email them message them on facebook it's weird but really let's all just sit alone and die right that seems like the right strategy but okay folks now that i've uh basically officially ruined my credibility with this outro i just want to say this I hope everyone recognizes that today the only way that any of our struggles will be solved is together. And that is a reality which we cannot ignore, but we continue to try to. So anyways, long live the people's revolution, folks. Start connecting those dots for your friends, family, and others. Start unionizing your workplace. Build some community gardens. Um, If you can't do that, support ones that do exist by sharing their information on social media donating money and food and clothes when you can and please oh no my phone (laughs) i dropped my phone anyways please if you can find any other way to get involved now um and also please read uh my last post on my blog which is at forliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. Um, I want you to check it out because it has a very similar sentiment to this episode. So if you enjoyed that and you want a little piece of agitational propaganda to send some of your friends or, you know, co-workers... Go ahead and read the most recent one and let me know what you think. And if you enjoy it, feel free to share it. Anyways, folks, I hope you have a great day. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay revolutionary, and stay together. Long live the people and long live their struggle. Peace out. Bye.